1: Covering all things magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the six man show. Today is December 28th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by my co host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is going on?
2: Just recording after a loss stinks i wish that this was flip-flopped i wish that the loss was last night honestly and that the win was tonight because it's just it's a lot better the the vibes are better you went to the game tonight to cover it there would have maybe been a lot a lot more fun involved with this episode it is what it is but uh yeah that i wish it was after a win. that's how it's going
1: yeah a bit of an odd episode for us so if you're watching on youtube i'm not in my my usual setup This is the first time and I don't even know how long um, I'm recording from a hotel room. Yeah. So this is the first time since the 2019 playoffs that I'm recording from a hotel room because I have an appointment tomorrow in Orlando and I didn't want to drive all the way home after the game and then drive like all the way back. So I'm at the good old Doubletree Hilton right now and I'm recording off of my laptop and we're in the Wi Fi here at the Double Tree isn't great. So I'm recording off of our five G hotspot. So we're gonna try to make this episode as I don't want to say as brief as possible, but if we efficient. speed through things a little bit, please understand why. It's just upload times and Kevin and myself don't want to be up until five AM trying to get this pot up, Luke.
2: This needs to be more efficient than the magic war tonight against the Sixers.
1: Well, luckily, that won't be difficult uh, because they were not great. We'll talk about that game in in just a few minutes here, folks. I want to let you know, uh, if you've been waiting for your opportunity to shine and make an appearance on our sixth fan show, uh, the next edition of that is going to be filmed this Friday, December 29th, when the Magic take on the New York Knicks at home at the Kia Center, at which the Magic are now 0-2 at the newly named Kia Center, by the way. Uh, But if you want to make an appearance on that, Please make sure to stop by. If you guys are going to that game on Friday, bring your voices. Going to have to be loud. Hopefully, the Magic are able to get off to a good start in that one. Because if not, like Knicks games when the Knicks are like killing the Magic, are some of the most miserable like watching experience you can possibly have as a Magic fan. And two of Luke's best friends are Knicks fans, and you know they'll let him hear about it as well if if that game doesn't go well. So we really need a Magic win on
2: Friday. I couldn't have said it better. Absolutely, Danny and Brandon. I hope your Knicks are bricking on Friday,
1: That's and not in a good be, way. If you know not what I mean. in a good way. Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly, uh,
1: exactly, folks. We've been trying our best to to push this agenda the last you know week or so here. Uh, but NBA All Star voting is officially open. Uh, make sure you're going to vote.nba.com every day uh, to vote, especially Franz and Paolo, but any of the of the other, you know, magic guys that you want to see in the All-Star game, you know, Jalen Suggs, uh, Gogo Batadze, you name it, your favorite magic players, you can vote them to the All-Star game, but especially Paolo and Franz, those guys are super deserving of that. So make sure you're going to vote.nba.com each day to vote your favorite magic players to the All-Star game. Luke, let's get into the state of the Magic. Uh, so far this week, the Magic are 1-1 one and one with a win over the Wizards on Tuesday, the loss on Wednesday to the Philadelphia 76ers. They are now 18-12 on the season. They are fifth in the Eastern Conference now. Uh, their record is tied with Miami uh, because the Magic lost to Miami uh, Miami holds the tiebreaker. We are five and a half games back of first place Boston, four and a half games back of second place Milwaukee. We're now three games back of third place Philadelphia and tied with Miami. So we're sitting there at five. We're one game up on Cleveland, one game up on the New York Knicks. Friday game is going to be really big for that Uh, two and a half games up on Indiana. We are three and a half games up on Brooklyn and then five games up on Chicago. Who's sitting at that 10th and final play in spot and the magic are still six games up on Toronto at and Atlanta. The good news Luke is with all the losing that the magic have done, you know, the past week or so, Indiana, Brooklyn, Chicago, Toronto, and Atlanta not really taking advantage and closing the gap. So the Magic still have a little bit of cushion between the postseason and the play-in, but they really got to start like tonight. We're going to talk about this loss to Philadelphia during this stretch from now to the end of January when the Magic have opportunities to close games and win games. They need to make sure they are doing so because these wins are going to be going getting harder and harder to come by. Uh, so far on the season, Luke, uh, the Magic are 21st in offensive rating with a rating of 113. They are now 5th in defensive rating with a rating of 110.7. They are 11th in overall net rating with a rating of 2.3. Looking to the injury report, Markel Fultz has missed the last 22 games uh, with that uh, you know patellar tendon, tendonitis, whatever is going on there. Joe Ingles has missed the last six games with an ankle sprain. J.I. has missed the last two games now with a sore hamstring. Gary Harris missed the last game against Philadelphia on Wednesday with a calf strain. Jalen Suggs returned to the lineup Tuesday versus the Washington Wizards as he's been out with that uh, wrist sprain. So now let's talk about the Wizards game, Luke. Uh, The Wizards game from Tuesday. Magic able to come out with the victory in that one. It was a one twenty seven to one nineteen. Although the game wasn't really particularly that close, where I want to take us is I want to fast forward to the six minute mark in the fourth quarter. The Magic were up one seventeen to one ten, and then over the the next few minutes there, um, in uh, Washington goes on a nineteen to ten run. To close out the game, they got it as close as I think it was uh, four points late in this game uh, before Paolo Bencaro, uh finds Goga Batadze uh, for the the, the the cut dunk there to give the Magic the 125 to 119 lead with 30, uh, 33 seconds left. Um, yeah, Luke, this game just got way, way, way too close. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah, it was four. Four points was as close as it got in the final few minutes here. Uh, But the Magic did a a good job in this one, Luke, again, for the the most part until those final few minutes. You know, first few minutes of that fourth quarter really uh, opened up the lead for themselves. Yeah, neither team in this one shot the ball like poorly at all. Magic ended up fifty-two point seven percent. Washington forty-nine point four percent. Look, this was a another instance of when we played the Wizards. You know, twice a couple of weeks ago, where the Magic sort of let the Wizards dictate the pace. And for the majority of this game, the Magic were beating uh, Washington at that game. But it almost came back to bite them uh, in the closing minutes of this game. But on the road first night of a back-to-back a game that you very desperately needed to win like if you're looking at this next you know five weeks if there's like a single game on the schedule where you're like the magic absolutely have to win a game like this wizards game would be the the first one luke what did you think of this one
2: let's be honest here jonathan none of that matters because it's all about anthony black black magic baby he gets it done in this one. And, and really what I loved about Anthony Black's performance is that he simply was just knocking down shots. He wasn't playing anything outside of the norm, outside of what the team asks him. He even said it himself, like, listen, I was just getting assisted buckets you know, left and right. I wasn't really doing a lot on my own. It was off of just the normal stuff, right? Whether he was in the corner hitting threes. Uh, he had one, I believe, one step back or sidestep three. That was really nice at one point in that game. But other than that, like he really was just in his own. There wasn't a lot that you don't normally see. Good finishes at the rim from Anthony Black in that one. 9 of 13 from the field. 4 of 6 from 3. 23 points. He had 6 rebounds. 4 steals. The only... the Listen, it is a really unfortunate negative for this one, but he did have 5 turnovers, so just 1 assist. So that was kind of his rookie moment of the game. But you can't say too much because the guy shot 4 of 6 from 3 and has a career-high 23. His previous was, I believe, 12.
1: Yeah, no, Anthony was, was fantastic in this game. Uh, Franz added 28. Paolo added 24. And this was you know, one of those games where it's like, hey, if we can get one more guy going, Magic are going to be doing pretty well. And Anthony Black stepped up in a big way uh, in that one. He had a bucket late. And I, I tweeted the, the Tiger meme, the, the big dog, you know, like dapping up meme. And I was like, me, next time I see Anthony Black, Little did I know, 24 hours later, like that was going to be manifested. I'm walking down the tunnel, uh, you know, walking to, to, to watch warm-ups tonight before the game, and here comes Anthony Black. And I, 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 I wasn't just going to completely dap him up, because I don't think he really would have went for that. Nobody really does that these days. So I went <laughs> for the fist bump. I said, A.B., big dog. so said, let's get another <laughs> one at night, baby. So, hey, I'm a man of my word. I said, next time I see A.B., I got to hit him with the big dog. And I hit him, hit him with, with the big dog. Thing. Unfortunately, we didn't get another one tonight. That was that was really the the issue there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That that was the issue for sure. But Anthony Black in this one against the Wizards, man, was a lot of fun. And again, I'll say it again, it was a lot of fun because it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Anthony Black doing what Anthony Black is is, is instructed to do on this team, knowing his role, just hit all of his shots, and he didn't hesitate on three pointers either which is the big thing that the magic had been missing when it comes to point guard play. It's no secret. Markel false has been out. Everybody's talking about Markel being out. When's he coming back? Do we, do we need him back? That sort of thing. If I can tell you right now, if Anthony black were to play every game like that one in terms of shot making, which he's not going to do, then I'd be like, we don't even need Markel Fultz back because Anthony black was truly incredible. But yeah, I, he does. He does exactly what you want him to do. He puts the ball, allows Paolo and Franz to have the ball more, to the point where he doesn't really even need a playmaker. That'll come, but impressive.
1: Yeah, if Anthony Black was going to give you twenty three points every night, like you know, he's obviously your your starting point guard, but that's that's not really happening, right? You know, we we talk about you know what happens when Markel Fultz comes back. I mean, if there's any game to to talk about that situation it's after this one right after this anthony black performance and sort of like wendell where like obviously he's still knocking off the rust after missing you know what was it 18 19 games whatever it was wendell is sort of a, a different conversation a lot of people are talking about wendell and the way that he looks on the floor his hand is still really swollen i, I saw it tonight in warm-ups somebody said like oh no it's just a wrap on his hand like yeah, he has a wrap on his hand during games, but I saw like his bare hand tonight. It's still incredibly swollen. If you go back to the pregame or or, or, the, uh, yeah, like the, the pregame sound, whatever it was, shoot around sound, whatever the Magic did with Wendell before the game that he came back in, there's a moment where you see his hand and it's still really swollen. The hand is still really swollen. I don't know how much that is affecting him, but mm-hmm. Wendell has not looked great, but, we've talked about Wendell coming back and how his role would need to change. We're approaching the point where like Markel's role is going to have to change. Even to the point of like, are, is it better off with Markel Fultz coming off the bench? Is, is Markel Fultz or, or is Anthony Black better than Markel Fultz? Absolutely not. But are both units just more cohesive with Anthony Black continuing to play in the starting lineup, which you know the Magic have had some slow starts recently, but we have a, a good su- sample size of them playing well with Anthony Black in the starting lineup. And then right now, one of the biggest issues with this Magic team the last couple of games has been the bench unit just does not have it offensively. Joe Ingles being out is a big part of that. And Markel Fultz right now would do wonders for that second unit. Ultimately, this is probably a pretty like inconsequential conversation that we're having. Markel Fultz comes back and he's almost immediately placed back into the starting lineup, I would guess. Um, but I, I do think that is a conversation that is, is getting you know more and more um, like legitimate. I think it's more of a legitimate conversation, Luke. A point guard that I want to talk about from this game in particular, can we talk about Tyus Jones, man? Like, 22 points in this game, 33 minutes, 8 of 13 from the floor, 4 of 6 from behind the arc, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, uh just two turnovers. And the reason that I want to talk about Tyus Jones Luke is because as bad as the the Wizards have been this year, there's some early rumblings about them like legitimately finally like totally hitting the the reset and the rebuilt uh button there with parting with some of these veteran players for Like young players, picks, and so on and so forth, and almost immediately, one of the teams that Tyus Jones was linked to is the Orlando Magic. And like looking at his game, and especially in this game, it's just so evident. I think how well he would fit with the Magic. What do you think?
2: Of course, he's a guy that shoots like what three and a half threes a game at forty four percent clip. That when I was talking about Anthony Black, it's. Tyus Jones, like that's exactly like if, if I could pick a point guard to be a guy that doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands, but if he has the ball in his hands, is going to do the right thing, going to make the right play, and can knock down the open three, it's Tyus Jones. All five and a half assists, not even a turnover a game. And he's playing on a terrible team. We saw it. We've seen it a couple times now. Firsthand, how bad this Washington team is. It is one thing to average a lot of points on a bad team, but it's another thing to create open shots for your teammates that are not that good. And Tyus Jones, I think he just plug in really well with a team that is great off ball. The Magic, what the number one cutting team in the league, scoring off cutting and and off ball, you know, in general, I think Tyus Jones would be a perfect fit. I, I think that you, he's going to be what a free agent this offseason, unrestricted free agent. I think if Tyus Jones sees enough of what he likes about the Magic, I think you can get him here. I think you can overpay him to get him to come here. But also just the fact that I, players are going to start wanting to play in Orlando and be a piece of the of the puzzle that eventually lifts Larry O'Brien. Tyus Jones is great. He's a more than serviceable point guard, especially in this league. Yeah, right now making $14.5 million.
1: You have to think that he's probably in line for a pretty significant pay raise. Uh I think uh I don't know if it was David or Jeff or no, I'm sorry, Dante or Jeff, because Dante was on the broadcast Tuesday for the Wizards game. One of them brought up the fact that over the course like the last five seasons, Tyus Jones has led the league in assisted turnover ratio like every single year. So I'm not a big proponent. Like a lot of
2: times that's cr-
1: a lot of times sorry. people bring up <laughs> That's wild, right? Like that is legitimately crazy.
2: I'll 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 let you continue real quick. Tyus Jones has never had averaged over a turnover a game in his career. Yeah,
1: and we'll talk about turnovers because they were absolutely a factor in the Philadelphia game. But people like throw names out like for the oh the Magic should trade for this guy. The Magic should trade for this guy. Very rarely am I like you know what actually the Magic should trade for that guy. Like I that's Mm -hmm. sort of where I am with Tyus Jones. Depending on how much it costs you, like I, I threw this question into our group chat and it was met with a little bit of apprehension. Not like nobody was trying to kill me or anything, but I was like, Denver's 2025 first round pick for Tyus Jones. Like, it's essentially a second round pick. I don't hate that. And we're talking about a guy with a crazy good assisted turnover ratio. It doesn't light the world up like defensively, but I, I think you could probably hide him enough here and you know, 40% from behind the arc, a, a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands a ton, I, I can't think of like a better fit next to like, Paolo and Franz, a guy that is like realistically attainable, and a guy that you could re-sign this offseason without completely breaking the bank.
2: He's just a great addition for a team that is so young, and as we know, is like top 10 in turnovers per game at almost 15 a game. You bring, and then obviously right now you have Anthony Black slotted in that starting point guard position who is just liable to get, you know, have those three to five turnover nights, regardless, just because he's a rookie. It'd be a huge upgrade, man. And I I do want to go back to what you were saying, Jonathan, unless you had more on Tyus Jones, but I had more to say about when we talk about Markel Fultz coming back, because this is the perfect time to talk about it after a great Anthony Black game. I don't hate the faults into the bench, you know, going to the bench. I don't hate it. And the but my kind of my hesitancy with it is just you got a couple guys in that bench unit that require the ball. You got three really. Joe Engels to initiate the offense. You've got Moritz Wagner who outside of Franz and Paolo, has the highest usage rate. Besides, and then Cole Anthony, obviously. Cole Anthony's the other guy in the group. They all kind of require the ball. They all have higher usage rates. I wonder how that even looks. And I want to talk about it too once we get to the Sixers game when it comes to Goga and balancing him with Moritz and Wendell and when's the right time to pull the trigger on certain moves. Who knows? There just is increasingly more cooks in the kitchen. And something's got to give, like you have to, because if we're already willing to have the hypothetical conversation about Markel Fultz going to the bench because of what he does in terms of usage for Paolo and Franz, it's only going to get worse, I think. That you know, the and, and increase the further on we go, and we more we see Paolo do things like drop forty points in a game, things that quite frankly might not happen nearly as much if Markel Fultz is in the starting lineup. Now, if you're winning games, who cares? But I also wonder if we gave too much credit last year to Markel Fultz and the record of the team. Like, did we give too much credit there? I don't know, but I, I'm starting to think maybe we did. And I saw that conversation happening on, on Twitter or X today, and I was like, maybe, maybe we were. I, obviously, Palo wasn't what he is now. But he still was drawing double teams and all of that and i just wonder the team just got fully healthy and you finish the year how you do right like 29 28 or whatever
0: i don't know we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: Driving to Orlando today, and something that I've been thinking about the last few days as like knowing that I was coming to the game, preparing for like the pregame presser with Mosley, something that I've been asking or asking myself and and wondering and wanted to ask Jamal. And then I decided, oh, he's not really going to give me a a real answer anyway. So it's not worth asking the question is when Dell has come back, when Dell is being reintegrated into the, the lineup. He's not all the way back yet, so we're still seeing Mo. We're still seeing Goga. Have there been conversations with Anthony and amongst the team in terms of what is going to happen when Markell comes back and what Anthony's role is going to look like? It's a great question. It's a fair question. It's a question you're not going to get the answer to. Marquel's still day to day. Oh, you know, we're going to you know reintegrate him and blah blah. I was never going to get an answer to that question. Maybe I should have asked it anyway because you know it, it deserves to be asked. But you and I have talked about this. I don't envy Jamal Mosley at all when it comes to making the, these decisions. He's made it incredibly apparent he wants to run a ten-man lineup. And once you have JI back and Joe back and Gary back and Markell back and Wendell back at you know full strength, playing full minutes, somebody is going to. Get cut from that 10 man rotation. And should it be Anthony Black? I, I don't know, but when I look at the 10 man lineup, like who who is it gonna be? I don't think really all of those guys completely healthy. I don't know that anybody deserves to be pulled from that lineup. Like everybody deserves minutes. Right now you can make the argument for Wendell, because Wendell has not looked good since he's been back. But we're still like I'm being patient with Wendell. I would I'm probably gonna give him like another four or five games before I start to get like impatient with what's going on because he did miss so much time.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what that conversation what I don't know when I'm going to be ready to have the conversation. I just know that eventually. It, it's going to have to come just as a whole. And if, if Dell gets looped, lumped into that, he does. But right now with the guys we've been seeing, like I even like what Caleb Houston has been giving this team. Yeah. I, I like what Gogo's been giving this team, obviously. Gary Harris seems to be doing better than he was, right? And he provides you shooting when he is good. And he's just been kind of average doing like two of four, one of two type of three-point shooting nights. But regardless, he'll shoot the three if it comes his way, and that's what you need right now. We saw how it impacts you tonight against the Sixers when they pack the paint. You at least need them to respect you because you've really got like 13 guys that have an argument for minutes. And we've had this conversation before, but now we have substance with it. We mainly had the conversation in preseason. But now, down the line, you've got 13 guys, and that includes guys like Caleb Houston, Gary Harris, Goga, um, obviously Moritz, Joe Ingles, J.I., Cole, A.B., and then you're starting five of what you assume it might be when Cal when comes back. So I don't know what it looks like, but I do know that uh, it just feels inevitable. Their trade deadline will be interesting. DMPs will be very interesting. You, it's kind of like the, the Goga thing, Right? He comes in he does his job he impresses coaching staff and he's getting fit into this basically three man center rotation which i genuinely didn't think we would ever see and now you've gonna you probably gonna have the same you know thing with anthony black unless markel Fultz comes in and he's like yeah i'll i'll give up the ball i'll cut off ball i'll just play basically off ball let you put me in a corner then then maybe he avoids that conversation but it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think that this, you know, the, 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 the rotation will, could look completely different come deadline. I'll give you uh, something that's
1: pretty jarring. So we're like, you know, two months into the season now. We're closer to the trade deadline than we are to the beginning of the season. We're 43 yeah. days away from the trade deadline. The trade deadline is February 8th this year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's crazy. We have yeah.
1: a month plus a little bit of time. Until the trade deadline, Mar- Markel Fultz like needs to needs to come back and needs to be like, hey, like this is the value that I still you know, bring to this team. Or, yeah, I I would not be surprised if if Hill is involved in those kinds of conversations leading up to the trade deadline, because like the and- the question now is like, we're thirty games in, you're eighteen and twelve for the past twenty-five games now, roughly. What what did I say? How many games has it been uh Markel last twenty-two games now, the Magic have been playing without Markel and have established like a new offensive identity without him. And now are you going to like completely disrupt two units, the the starting lineup and the bench lineup, to reintegrate Markel Foltz? The starting lineup definitely struggles with with playmaking at times. But I'm concerned with like, okay, if we bring back Markel and give him the ball in the volume that he would need to be like really impactful and like raise the ceiling of this team potentially, how much are you taking away from Powell? How much are you ta- taking away from Franz? How much are you taking away from Jalen? I didn't think we'd be asking that question two months ago. like oh, I'm worried about Markel having the ball because he's taking reps away from Jalen Suggs. I've always been a Jalen Suggs believer, but I have, I have never, ever been more confident that Jalen Suggs is a part of a few, the future of this team. I cannot
2: say that about Markel Fultz. Yeah, you can't. You absolutely can't. Like, you can't tell me that you're 100% certain that Markel Fultz is in the future of this team. Yeah, what Jalen Suggs has been giving you. To, I'm not ready to say this. Just say it. The converse- I mean, you,
1: you the, say it. I mean, you want to say it. I don't know what it is, but it sounds like something
2: I, you want to say. Is Jalen Suggs part of the three-headed monster of the Orlando Magic? The answer is yes. What are we talking about? I, no, I don't, I don't know, I but he's, he's very close. That's why I say it's a future conversation, right? It's something that I'm starting to entertain. Just how good. I mean, he's just. We all know, like, personality of Jalen. We all love him. The electricity that Jalen brings, we all love it. Jaylen I saw his parents
1: is, like, tonight at the game, and I had to stop myself <laughs> from thanking them for conceiving him. <laughs> I had to. I had to hold myself back.
2: Yeah, I like I said. Listen, I don't. I don't think Jalen is is near the realm of Paolo and Franz yet. But. He's finally having a somewhat healthy season. Like we have gotten to see him get into a rhythm and find his identity in this team. He's in the starting lineup. Yeah, I, I I just think that was just a sidebar that I've I've been thinking about, and I I'm sure all of us have. But he's just been awesome and a lot of fun. He's respect. He's a more than respectable three point shooter now. It's crazy.
1: You say he's not in that realm. But, like, when we talk about overall impact, I think games that we don't have Jalen, we, we don't miss him as much, but we miss him almost as much as we would a Palo or a Franz. Which to me is is crazy to say, but I, I don't think he's that far out of that realm, just in terms of overall impact. If you're talking about like, individual value of a player, obviously... Guys that can go and you know create their own shot and do what Paolo and Franz can do are much more rare and much more valuable just in 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 a vacuum. But we're talking about the way that they impact this team, especially. I mean, Franz and, and, and Paolo are one A and one B. Like Jalen might be like one ci I I don't know
2: one point five C. He's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. impact is great. On a pecking order, I, I don't know if I'm putting them in a C category for the one well, spot, not, but I'm I am. I'm not
1: saying pecking order. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> not saying that at all. All right. Um, uh, pecking order.
2: You know what pecks? Chicken. You want to talk about chicken? Wow. Wow. Thank you for that. You dug deep in your bag for it. I appreciate it. We want to talk about the fine folks over at Jam Jam Hot. Jam Hot is our favorite chicken place if you haven't heard. They're located at 400 West New England Avenue, Suite 13 in Hannibal Square. Outside seating. Super nice. Go to JamHotChickenFL.com to access their menu. Order ahead. Music playlists even. All things Jam Hot. Go get your Jam Hot Chicken. I'm going on Friday before the Knicks game. Making it a priority. Gotta make it happen. Going early afternoon. Might be I got some family members going to that game. So I might be meeting up with them a few hours prior to tip off before pregame media availability, all that kind of thing with Moe's. So come check out Jam Hot Chicken. Tell them the guys the six-man show sent you.
1: Next, we want to talk about our patrons. Our patrons are the folks that literally help make every single episode possible. Um, if you want to join in on the fun and help make the six-man show possible for years to come and, and not just this generation, but future generations folks you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show we have a number of tiers that you can choose from whatever works best for you uh starting as low as two dollars a month so if you just want to throw a little something in there and help support the show help keep the lights on you can do that you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show a uh, part of our benefits for our elite in hall of fame tier members or patrons is we give them a special shout out each and every episode so as always i'll go ahead and start with the court cousins then a best friend of the program, Drew Gooden, Armin. Uh, shout out to Armin, Armin and Hannah. Uh, Armin is a long term, a long time patron, and Hannah. Uh, all the awesome like graphics that you see that you know come out from our social media pages. Hannah is usually the one that works on all of those. Hannah and Armin were at that game against the Wizards on Tuesday. So a big shout out to to Armin and Hannah. Love you guys. Uh, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, normal Magic player history. Gabe Gaines, Wiffle. Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch, Dave Powell and Franz's Warmth. I am never ever ever going to live that down, am I? Pierre A, Mm-mm. Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Danimal, Dotto 15, Bobby Skinner, Gody 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquieland, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95 Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Shahin177, Bobby the Don, Himlo, Ben Himro, R.M.Prov221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Kid714, Spanking Season, Soft Taco, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Eddie Houses, Burner, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Currency Kev, Bruv Sal, Casey Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, The Distract, Ahmad Timsa, Chansu, Tom Gadston. And another shout out to Time Mr. TV talking about keeping the lights on. Time Mr. TV is almost single handedly keeping the six man shows' lights on with all the super chats in these post game live shows. So, a big shout out to Time to Mr. TV and a big shout out to all of our patrons. We got, we love you guys so much. Again, if you would like to join the Patreon and if you want to be part of that very special shout out that I just did, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Luke, breaking down this game uh, from tonight at home over the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, 76ers had the day off. They were off Tuesday. Waiting for the magic to get home, uh, Tuesday as we just talked about. The magic were in Washington, uh, so second night of a back to back. Those road home back to backs are always tough, and really from like the opening tip, the magic didn't have the the juice. Like they just they didn't really seem to have a ton of energy in this game. Luckily, Philadelphia was playing without Joel Embiid, which definitely helped the magic a ton. Neither game, neither team, I should say, in this game came out like really like blazing, um, but the magic the whole story of this game was the magic started off the game like pretty well, like had like a you know six or seven point lead, something like that. And it was basically off the back of Jalen Suggs cutting and his teammates, Paolo Franz, finding him for open layups. The moment that that stopped, the moment that the magic started to settle for threes, Philadelphia came back into the game, sort of got control and really like never looked back. And they had like this, you know, 11 to to 6 point cushion it felt like for the final three quarters every time the Magic would start uh, to to feel a little bit of momentum start to feel a little bit dangerous there was either an offensive rebound which ended up in second chance points for the Philadelphia 76ers or a dumb turnover for the Magic Um, that would end up Philadelphia going the other way Uh, Magic were down what were they down they were down 9 with like, like you know Nine minutes to go somewhere around there. And I'm at the game and I, I tweet out like, this is the second night of a back-to-back. Magic are down nine points earlier in, the, in this fourth quarter. If they don't make a run right now, they're potentially going to run out of gas and, and and sort of dig themselves too deep of a hole and not be able to climb out of that. Immediately after that, like 30 seconds after that, Paolo Bancaro hits a three. Philadelphia comes down the other end. They don't score. We're going down the other way. We find Caleb Houston in the corner for a three to make it a three-point game. You know, with with you know eight and and some change to go, I believe. And I was like, okay, this is where the Magic are going to be able to make their run. And then they just reverted back to you know the 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 silly turnovers. Um, I believe they the Magic ended up with what was it? Yeah, sixteen turnovers in this one, and you allow Philadelphia uh, to get twelve offensive rebounds. Which ended up, they shot 17 more field goals in this game. It wasn't like the Magic, you know, shot the ball like really, really poorly or or Philadelphia shot the ball like really well. This game got out of hand at the end. Like, if you look at the result, the 112 to 92, this was a much, much closer game than that. Philadelphia got hot the last couple of minutes to sort of put the game out of reach. But this wasn't a game, Luke, where we've seen recently where like the Magic just can't hit a shot and the other team is making a ton. This was like, the game was super close until the last couple of minutes, but the reason the Magic could just never get over that hump and regain control over this game was offensive rebounding for Philadelphia and then the Magic's turnovers, Luke.
2: Yeah, and Philly, they started, they weren't hitting shots all game, but at the very end of the game, you saw why they're a good shooting team, right? Like the Anthony Melton down the stretch had a couple threes, these guys, they started showing out finally and showing you why they're a pretty good three point shooting team. And they did it on the stretch, right? So, waited till hanging around to the end, and they put us away. Quite frankly, they did what veteran teams do. And that showed tonight. Every time the Magic had a run, Philly countered. Every time. And it was very frustrating, but it is truly the identity of a veteran team. As much as I cannot stand Patrick Beverly, he was a big leader in those answers and he would do his thing, right? Getting to the rim, getting downhill, finishing around the rim. He goes four of seven, 10 points for him tonight. So, you know, it just seemed like you had obviously Marcus Morris senior, torching you for stretches as well. And if your name wasn't Franz and it wasn't Jalen Suggs, you shot a total of 14 for 48 from the field. 29%. I did the math. The team stunk when it came to efficiency tonight. So, it was unfortunate for the game to go the way that it did. Yes, you, you should have won this game. This is not a game you should drop. But it was off a back to back. But this team was without Embiid. They were 0 4 coming into games without Embiid this year. I mean, yeah, we can certainly
1: talk about like efficiency. You know, Palo didn't have a, a great shooting night 19 points on 6 of 21, uh, 1 of 8 from behind the arc, 6 of 7 from the free throw line. Franz, 24 points. Jalen, 20. Palo, 19. Your next leading score was Caleb Houston with 7 points. Like going through the the lineup, Wendell with four, A B with three, Cole with five, Mo with two, Chuma with three, Gogo with two, Jed Howard you know has a three. You know the the last you know minute of this game, we've had a a few of these. It feels like lately, where like if the Magic can just get one more guy to show up, they could end up winning the game, and and that was absolutely the the case in this one. Like Caleb was was great. Right for for a Caleb game. Caleb had a great Caleb game, but overall, like your fourth leading scorer, seven points. And what was it, like twenty something points off the bench? Like that's it's not going to get it done for a team that throughout the season, or at least the early start of the early part of the season, and during the win streak, had one of the best bench units in the entire league, and without. Gary Harris, without Joe Ingles, without Jonathan Isaac, like just struggled mightily in this game. He had 22 bench points tonight. It was just never going to be good enough. But the the 16 turnovers and the the you know offensive rebounds that you give up to Philadelphia, leading the, them having 17 extra possessions. You're never going to win a game with a a 17 you know field goal attempt discrepancy. Unless like mm-hmm. you just have a crazy free throw shooting game, which the, the Magic, you know, did not. I think it was you know pretty in, in line uh with, with their averages in this one. Let me jump over to the box score really quickly. Yeah, Magic twenty one of twenty four from the free throw line. Like unless you're you know in the thirties or you know the forties there, you're not gonna survive a, a field goal attempt discrepancy like that. And I talked to Jamal Mosley and Jalen Suggs after the game, just like This has been an issue this season. Like one of the the things that they always talk about is taking care of the ball. Coming into tonight, the Magic are 22nd in the league in like coughing up turnovers a game. Like they're they're bottom 10 in the league, and asking like what can be done to improve that. And it just comes down to like individuals taking pride in the basketball and making good decisions. Jalen said it's not something like they've coached all they can coach with us in turnovers. We just have to take pride in taking care of the basketball. And it's been a real issue for a team that always preaches taking care of the basketball. Defending, playing as a unit, taking care of the basketball and rebounding. Like That's what like this roster really should be focused on. And far too many times this year, the Magic win in spite of turnovers instead of because they took care of the ball really well. Like They just have not done a great job taking care of the basketball this year. And this was a game where it absolutely cost you. Like it didn't feel like Philadelphia went out and won this game. The Magic just gave this game away. And again, we talk about this tough tough stretch that the Magic are in right now. You absolutely cannot afford to give games away. If you have the opportunity to go out and, and win one of these games, especially at home, where the Magic have lost what is it, three in a row now for the, the first two, time two all year. Two. Well, yeah, it's definitely two, two sure. at the two two at the Kia Center. Um, I th- I thought there was was one other uh b- before the official change, but it hasn't been great. Like, you know, they they started you know what was it ten and one, you know, in, in that building this year, and that you know you drop at least the last couple, and like taking care of the basketball, you you do that in this game, like o- offensive rebounding from Philadelphia side. If this is a ten turnover night, you you, you might win this game because like the magic sort of let go of the rope at the end like when they realize like, oh, hey, like we don't have it tonight. Like those last like three or four minutes when they were gassed because the second night of a back-to-back and they realized like, hey, we don't have it. They sort of uncharacteristically let go of the rope and then Philadelphia just blew the game wide open.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can only try so many times before they answer so many times that you're like, oh, I, there's no point. <laughs> there's no point because the Sixers are going to have a, an answer for the eight time tonight just disheartening like they literally just like beat the effort out of the magic tonight down the stretch came down to the magic like these guys are hitting shots they've been countering us all night there's no point now you quite literally get gifted a game without a beat like I said the Sixers were 0-4 coming tonight but the the part that disappointed me the most was the lack of points in the paint obviously they packed the paint tonight they're trying to get you to shoot threes I get it. But at the end of the night, you are, every team can do what they did tonight. We've seen it happen multiple times throughout the season. The Magic are still second in the league in points in the paint. So there's no excuse for you to score 40 points in the paint against a team that doesn't even have Embiid. They're starting Paul Reed, who is like 6'10, right? Like, get to the paint. There's nothing to be scared of. Make it happen, right? I mean, and the Sixers are 10th in points in the paint. A lot of that is because of Joel Embiid who averages 35 a game and feast in the paint. But instead, tonight, you get outscored 58 to 40. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. Um, and turnovers, obviously. You have 16 to their 10. You got three guys tonight with three or more turnovers themselves. So, unfortunate that the game ends this way. Throughout the game, I just continued feeling we had a chance. But then there was just one time where Philly answered another run of ours. And I was like, never mind. (laughs) This is not happening. So, sucks. But got another chance to make it right on Friday.
1: Yeah, I think it was, you know, that that fourth quarter run where they the Magic closed, you know, the 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 gap to 3 and then like within a minute it's back to 9. I was like, "Okay, we just we just don't have it tonight. Like this this one is going to be over." And with the the turnovers, what's so frustrating is like a lot of it is just like lazy passes. It's like these underhand like bounce passes in the middle of the lane when there's two or three defenders around. It's, like why are we even trying that? Like Jamal said like he feels like they're trying to force it too much when like a lot of times like the easy passes are the right pass to make. And that's sort of what they need to to I don't even want to say get back to doing because they haven't really done it a ton this year. Like turnovers for the most part have been an issue all year. You're one of the worst teams in the league in turning the ball over. Yep. And uh, for a team that, you know, isn't really able to make up possessions like shooting from behind the arc, like every possession that you give away is a is really a big deal, like some teams where that might not hurt them as much because, like, oh, look, we're down twelve. You know, we can just hit four threes in a row and we're right back in the game. The Magic, for the most part, don't really have that luxury. Like they, they'll have a few spurts of that, you know, here and there, but on a consistent basis, like the they just need to do a better job of of turning the ball over. And in a game without Joel Embiid. You know, getting you know beat up on the the offensive glass and and getting out rebounded in this game, second straight game that you're out rebounded, just not good enough. And it sucks because I I hate when there are like other circumstances like it is the second night of a back to back. You're missing four rotation players from this game, but it's like even still, it really felt like the Magic should have been able to come away with this one, and. I don't think it's going to be a question of like the magic missing the postseason, but when they start to look at like seeding late in the year and it's like, oh, well, we'd rather have the fourth seed or, you know, or the fifth seed over the sixth seed, or whatever the case may be, this is going to be some of those games that you look back on and you're like, hey, we could have had that one easily.
2: Here's the other thing too, when it comes to the easy cop out things, right? We were without a lot of rotation guys. Well, guess what? Everybody inserted into the lineup played respectable tonight. This loss was not on them, right? They didn't go six of 21 from the field. Paolo Bancaro did, right? They didn't go one of six. Anthony Black did. Wendell Carter, one of four. I just want to give Paolo like a quick little like defense. Like the dude
1: was getting mugged at times tonight. No whistle to be had. He did not have a great game. But like probably four or five of those field goal attempts shouldn't have been field goal attempts. He should have like 10 more free throw attempts.
2: Yeah. Now, the other thing to add to, just from an evaluation standpoint, you made this point uh, last game, last night, when talking about Jalen Suggs. the, The offense flows so much better when Jalen Suggs is getting to the rim, not shooting threes. In the game against Washington he goes 3 of 10 from 3. And it's because at the beginning he was red hot (laughs) and then he just cooled off the rest of the game. But he didn't... 10 10 three-pointers and 11 field goal attempts. There's no reason why Jalen Suggs would be shooting one two-point field goal the entire game. He was trying to keep up with Corey
1: Kispert is what happened. (laughs) Yeah. No, like quite literally, I think that's what, what happened.
2: Yeah, and Kispert... Is gonna win a shooting contest every single time, and he did last night from a percentage standpoint, three of five, a much smarter uh, shot diet for sure. But you saw the the contrast tonight. Jalen Suggs, eight of twelve from the field, much more efficient night, twenty points, only two three pointers taken. I I think that's the next step is that like Jalen Suggs at the NBA level has not been a three point shooter yet. So it's kind of just learning, you know, when, first of all, learning what your groove feels like, right? Like learning what that is when the 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 rim feels like a freaking ocean that you're going to make it every single time. Learning that if you're him and what that feels like at the NBA level and also just what are good shots, right? If I miss this shot. Sure, it'll create a huge... Or if I make the shot, sure, it creates a huge momentum swing for my team because I'm hot right now. But if I miss, am I taking it early in the shot clock? Am I wasting a possession if this is a miss? You know, think just common things that I think that as he is becoming an NBA three-point shooter, he's going to have to learn. Going three... Shooting 10 three-pointers isn't the answer. If he you shot you know, five of 10... Would I be more, you know, willing to accept it? Absolutely. But how many times is Jalen Suggs going to shoot 5 of 10 from 3? Chances are he starts off hot from 3 like he did last night. He ends 3 for 10. So, love Jalen Suggs. I've already given him plenty of flowers in this episode. But, much prefer him to be the guy that's just attacking the rim. Getting, you know, feet in the paint. And working from there. And just shooting the 3 ball when it's open. Or even creating space and shooting off the dribble because he is good at that as well, and it just
1: puts so much pressure on the defense. Like when Jalen is is getting that outlet pass and like going to the rim, like you just you feel the defense like just kind of suck in like to the paint. Mm-hmm. And if guys like Franz and Paolo and A B are able to knock down shots, like it it makes a massive difference. Like those guys getting in rhythm, open looks. Like you know, in the the flow of the early part of the game, that's something that we haven't seen as much from Jalen in the past couple of weeks. I, I, my guess is it probably has a lot to do with the wrist, and he probably just doesn't want to get hacked on the wrist right now and doesn't want to absorb that contact. But it was really good to see him tonight with those early cuts getting to the rim because, like, the offense like got off to a good start, and it was because of Jalen Suggs. And one thing I just want to say is we're now thirty games into the season. Jalen Suggs is shooting thirty seven percent from behind the arc. I'm making it official. Jalen Suggs is a is a three point shooter now. Like it's not yeah. like, oh, it's a small sample size. Like thirty games shooting thirty seven percent. It's almost half the season. Well done. Well done, Jalen Suggs. Very, very At least the third the pleased season. about that. We're, I mean we're 10 games away from it being the entire half. So yeah. I'm 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 very happy with that. Nick's on Friday Luke uh I mean, looking at the schedule, every single one of the one of these games is losable now, you know for the for the foreseeable future, you know for the the next several weeks here, but I do feel comfortable in saying like all of these games are also winnable, like the magic are good, the magic are capable of of beating teams on any given night and when you've lost, you know, two straight games at home now, you lost a game Wednesday night that you should have won. You've got New York coming to town. This is I mean, other than like the the Boston games like that that weekend and like the in-season tournament games, like this feels like one of the biggest games of the year going up against the Knicks and the Magic need to win on Friday.
2: Got to get the win. And if you're looking at strength of schedule, We've talked about this one, like the stretch through January being very hard. But after that, I, a lot of, I don't want to hear about strength the schedule until we're done with January. Like, Well, that's what it is. I know, after but like it's, when it's sunshine January and rainbows. But, but what I am saying is that you need to get the wins here while you can, which is why the Sixers loss Stings. Because... You've still got Cleveland and Chicago. As, as crappy as Chicago is, they have the second easiest remaining strength of schedule. And being a team that's already crappy for Tankathon to say they have the second easiest, they've got a cakewalk, of evidently. Because usually it's the better teams that have an easier strength of schedule and how Tankathon views them. I promise Tankathon doesn't view them as a hard team to play and a strong, strong team. Cleveland is another one. They've got the third easiest. So while the Magic have the fourth easiest, they've still got Cleveland who sits at seventh right now, pretty much right behind the Magic, one game behind. The Bulls who, I mean, listen, it's a long, we still got over half the season left. It just takes one winning streak. We've seen it. <laughs> We've seen it firsthand. It takes one winning streak to make up ground in this league. You have got, you have got to go 500 at least through January. You've got to to stay afloat, keep yourself out of the hopefully the play-in spot, but also set yourself up for come February. Like apparently, it gets a lot easier, right? We've seen it. Tankathon thinks so, because de- Tankathon definitely doesn't think that the stretch through January is easy. So that February through the end of the season apparently is easy. You have to just set yourself for, up for success at some point. Losses weigh on you. This is a young team. I don't think that they'll ever quit. But losses can beat you down. And uh, we've experienced it as fans. So hopefully this upcoming stretch doesn't doesn't break this team with some of the losses that they take. But like I said, you just got to hope you go 500 in this stretch.
1: So, yeah, I'm glad that you clarified because what I was thinking is like by the end of this stretch, you want to be 500, which isn't really the case. You know, you want to go 500 in this stretch. So we're talking about the 17 game stretch. I mean, we're already, we've already really started the stretch, but what is left of it is 17 games. Uh, Friday, you've got the Knicks and then going through uh, January 29th, when you finish, you know, at Dallas Uh, I mean, even you got Minnesota uh, February 2nd. So I guess like that sort of counts to like the next 19 games here. If you can go 9 and 10 or or 10 and 9 or 11 and 8, like even 8 and 11 is probably okay. Because at that point you would still be 26 and 23. Yeah. You'd be three games over 500 after that stretch still in a really good position. Like at that, at that point, you know, 40-42 wins is is still very much attainable. Maybe even even more than that. You know, depending For on sure. how the, the schedule that, breaks. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But it's. I mean, tonight was a wasted opportunity. But you've got another one on Friday. Got to win that game against the Knicks. You. You. It's. It's a must win in my opinion.
2: Yeah, you got to get back on track because the magic after that win streak, it's not been awesome right they're like three and five in their last eight it's uh we need to get back to some winning ways here four and six in the last ten so get back on track on friday keep it going get stay 500 get 500 the rest of the way here and uh be above 500 for sure by the end of january yeah just start stringing some wins together you know get
1: some more two three game win streaks doesn't have to be anything crazy but you know, more, more wins than, than losses would be great, Luke. But what do you say we go ahead and wrap this one up? You got anything else? No. I don't know. All right, folks. So that is going to do it uh, for this one again on Friday. Ben will be outside of Kia uh, filming the newest edition of the Six Fan Show after that game against the Knicks. And be sure you're going to vote.nba.com each day uh, to vote your favorite Magic player to the All-Star game. That is going to do it for this one. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to The Sixth Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!